JV to the pros. We are in our second season, and this is episode four. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey Ramsey. What's going on there, Jack? <laughs> feeling good. Feeling real I'm good. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I am still yes. revved up from that interview with David Omen. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Did Top I get it notch. right? Top notch. notch. You know what? Oh, man. You patted me on the right? back during the, the interview with Billy Sample. Right, from the Yankees. You did the heavy lifting last week, and that was a great interview. I mean, you cruised with him. That was fantastic. That was great. You did a good job. And you know what? He was just, uh, you know, a locker of information. (laughs) You know what? I have been in touch with him, and he would like us to come up to his home and record up there. I would love to do that. Look forward to that, folks. That would be a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. That would be great. We'll have a party. We'll bring, like, food and stuff. We're going to do it. Yeah, we'll have, have, like, like explosives and stuff. We're going to do it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So those of you you that are listening to us, make sure you stay with us. We're going to have some real special guests. Yes, I, I told you all about this. You know, at the at our first show, season season two, I told you we're gonna have big time guests. So he's just one of many. Yes. So we yeah. got a lot of surprises in store. You but wait very, a minute. Very fortunate. Let's introduce the rest of the I show. know I'm digressing here. <laughs> I'm sitting here across from me is Paco Last Man Standing. Hi yo. Tactical genius. And then to my right, the lovely. Robin with a Y. Who, Robin? Who, is- by the way, who, by the way, that I've had a couple of emailers actually ask me. They said, wait a minute. The two of you share the same name. And I said, I responded to the emailer and I said, yes, it's not an illusion. Corey Ramsey and Robin Ramsey. Yeah. We are man and wife. That's true, because okay. in Georgia, they let that happen when you're brother and sister. This is not deliverance, folks. All right. All right. So let's get right on the way, because we talked your ears off last week, but we got we got carried away, and we've gotten nothing but positive feedback. I haven't gotten one person that said, I actually... Um, my brother is up in Vancouver, and he said that the show went like an hour and 20 minutes last week. Didn't even realize it. <laughs> it's just an hour and 20 minutes, but it's pure entertainment. You did a back. great job with that interview. We had a very fantastic. engaging episode. Yeah, it was really, really good. And uh, people just listened to it and had no idea. My entire baseball team listens to the show, and not one of those guys, and they're dying to give me a hard time because I'm their pitcher. And they're like, you know what? That's that's good stuff. Do you catch two? <laughs> My best friend's a catcher. Right. If we ever both commit felonies, we know exactly what to say in prison. <laughs> All right, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> so where are we going? Come on, Corey, let's open it up. Let's get the floor going, and let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, well, let's, Jack, why don't you tell us about the SAG Awards? You were up there, or Hollywood Jack? <laughs> Hollywood Jack. Tell us about your experience up there, the glitz, the glamour. We want to hear about it. Give yeah. it to us. Well, this is, the, this is the second. I've gone to the Emmys, and I've gone to the daytime Emmys. And, uh, Show I off. Did, <laughs> and, and, I, and I tell you, I enjoy the SAG Awards a lot because it's a, a lot more of a casual setting. Mm-hmm. And every time they do like a television break or anything like that, then... Um, everybody gets to get up and have a chat and uh, there's a little bit of networking going on and and it's pretty cool. And then the other thing is um, people that have not gotten the chance to meet or talk with each other, 
they get up and they they approach people that they've been wanting to approach because now you've got basically a captive audience. Everybody's in there. I'll tell you one of the highlights of the night that really wasn't covered very much. First of all, Brad Pitt won. And um, I thought that was really cool. But then later on in the show, Jennifer Aniston won for the morning show. And I, I'm going to just let everybody know, the two of them met backstage and were congratulating each other. And they were all smiles and they were very happy for each other. And of course, the buzz is, are they getting back together? But, but I'll tell you what, I, I think what was going on during that moment was just, just professional respect I mean, they both realize they've done very well. Brad made a little bit of joke about uh, here he is, this guy who takes his shirt off and doesn't get along well with his wife. And Jennifer gave a little clap like, yep, I know how that goes. <laughs> but um, but the, the bottom line is it was it was an exciting night. Food was great. Um, my wife had a good time. And um, what they do, um, which is kind of interesting, is they hand out ballots um, for everybody. And it's it's even though we've already voted, obviously, um, they say fill out the ballot for 13 categories and put on the ballot who you think will win, not who you voted for, but who you think will win in each category. Interesting. And, and I won. I hit seven out of 13 categories correctly. And for some reason, I, I knew Joaquin Phoenix was going to win. And I had put Christian Bale when I because he, he was the first one on the on the choices and I thought oh it's got to be him and I forgot all about Joaquin for a moment and it wasn't until I turned it in and I was like oh you know it's Joaquin but anyway nobody else had seven and um, the weird thing is they allow your plus one to also have a ballot so my wife had a ballot and I win the first prize and my wife wins fourth and everybody was like okay what's going on here the fix is in so my wife got like screen actors guild hat and we got shirts and just goofy stuff but it was more and, and yeah big little little you know door price stuff, easy giveaway stuff but um the weird thing is some of some of the actors that are um kind of newer to the union were stopping me afterwards they by the way they come out with this cake that's the size of a dining room table and um and we I think we put it on the uh on the on the webpage but um people were coming over to me saying how how did how did you do that cuz you've been in the in, in the union over 30 years so so do you have like some inside track on that like they thought that I had been given the information no, just, tell them, just tell them you're good at you're good at picking movies and actors but you suck at picking sports just tell them that he's also good at picking his nose and I'm good at picking playoff winners but we'll talk about that later because it looks like I'm winning second season well it's not unheard of that doing that the practice has been around for years that's what they do with uh, Oscars what no they uh so what they do, like um, publicity campaigns, they reach out to Academy members, and they go out for everybody. Right. So back in the day, Harvey Weinstein, unfortunately, I mean, mm. we have to say that now. Campaigned. But, exactly. Right. But he would even go out as far as, you know, even showing screenings to uh, Academy members on life support. Regardless, they had their card. Right, because so they're gonna, vote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so and, and to tell you the truth, um, back in 1990, when I was first getting into the union, Kathy Bates fine actress one of the best actresses in the world no doubt about it and she has turned out some amazing performances but she really wanted to win for misery and she went on a campaign tour to get the votes so that she would win not just the sag award or the golden globe she wanted to win the oscar 
and she won the Oscar for Misery. But nice. she, but she had, put, yeah, she had gone basically like a politician on a campaign trail on talk shows, trying to convince everybody that, that this performance means a lot to her. And frankly, nobody else in that category made quite that effort. And so it was pretty much a landslide. But, you know, she campaigned the way a politician campaigns for, you know, for office. But I have to say that... that If you have to do that, then maybe your performance is not quite what you think it is. Well, she was afraid because of the content of the film. A lot of people may not have seen that. Very Exactly, Robin. It was very disturbing. I mean, you know, everybody remembers the famous scene, you know, with with the feet. but, But the fact is, you know... She she had you know she had portrayed herself as a very unlikable you know. I'm your biggest fan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, Glenn Glenn Close could have campaigned on uh, Fatal Attraction, but you know Glenn Close admitted you know openly this year, uh, nineteen rather, that um, had she made Fatal Attraction today, she would have focused the character much more on her mental health issues rather than the fact that she was enamored with this guy she just simply wanted to be well, with. Thank because heavens clearly, she's being politically correct. <laughs> well, she she actually has a foundation for mental health issues and mental health um, is, uh, problems and, and getting care for people that have mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. So, so this is her passion in life. But she said that character would have been a prime example of someone who needs... Desperately, mental yes. oh, yeah. I mean, she's clearly, you know, she's boiling rabbits and stuff, you know. Going back to Kathy Bates, have yeah. you seen her in American Horror Story? Yes. Oh, yes. My God, she is in that. Oh, the Roanoke one. She is fantastic. Well, in several of them, but she's fantastic. I just saw her in something with, um, with Terry Bradshaw. Uh, I saw her in a movie with Ter- well, she's married. She's married to Terry Bradshaw. Oh, oh I've seen this one. Yeah, what is it? Is it? It's um, with Matthew McConaughey, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, that was um, uh, and, and, and Failure and Ter- to Launch. That's the name of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah because Sarah Jessica Parker and okay. and Terry Bradshaw is naked. Oh, naked. Like there's no there's no like not. He's just walking around screen naked. Well, his hair is so long it comes. No, no. He's he's got he's married to Kathy Bates. But he has a naked room in his house, nice. and several scenes are filmed with him feeding the fish naked. And I thought, you got a Hall of Famer doing this scene. This guy is dedicated to wanting That's to do awesome. some acting. Yeah. So I'm going to drag everybody back, kicking and screaming from <laughs> Must See TV, back to the SAG Awards. Okay. And so, Jack, what did you eat? Did you bring a doggy bag? No, what I happened? did not bring a doggy bag. I expected some but food, I, and I didn't get any. I'll tell you what. Well, we there were there, here, so. there was shrimp. Uh, the size of like magic markers. They were like shrimp the size of the palm of my hand. I couldn't believe it. I was like, these are the biggest shrimp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and you know, prime rib, everything was awesome. Everything was awesome. And my wife loves prime rib. Who she caters the SAG Awards? On what? Who caters? Um, I didn't ask. I don't, I don't know. Food just kept coming. I, <laughs> I didn't say. By the way, who's catering? Although, although I, I, our our waitress was really cognizant of our situation on our table with making sure we had water, we had iced teas, and everything. And when it was all over, I did ask her. I, I wanted to make sure everything was squared up, and she said, "Oh my gosh, yes." Did you I ask her? Thinking, Great, our union, our union dues are going. Because she looked at me like, "Don't give me any more money. We got plenty." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, the union took good care of you." But uh, it was really interesting. I I sat at a table um, that uh, probably 20 people were sitting at, and almost everybody at the table were actors that I had worked with. And Rudy, a good friend of mine I've known for 30 years, sat next to me, and we sat there talking, and he said, 
he just, you know, you know how when you run into an old buddy and your wife is fairly new to your life and he, he said this and it was like a cartoon, like the balloon with the words. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, does your wife know the story of the Bank of America commercial? And I looked at him and I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that in over 20 years. And he goes, he leans past me and says, did he tell you about the Bank of America story? And I said, yes, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear the story. <laughs> and it was just some fun and games and goof off stuff that you do when you're young and immature. And I just happened to be a young 35 at the time. <laughs> but uh, but everybody, everybody had some memories of things. I, I sat with Lorenzo, whom I've known forever. And Lorenzo Lamas? No, not Lorenzo Lamas, <laughs> who I've worked with Lorenzo Lamas. But, um, and very, very nice. Um, from KPBS, um, Steve and his wife, Debbie. And we actually sat across from them last year. So when we saw them, we were like, okay, they, we're familiar with them. We'll sit with them. And then they were like, those are your seats anyway. So we just sit down. Where, where was it at? Um, where was what at? Where was the, the SAG Awards? Like this dinner and everything? Well, the SAG Awards in Hollywood are at the Alex Theater. Okay. Yeah, so you just, you just, I mean, they pack the place. Mm. I mean, it's just like, but uh, we're already making arrangements to be up there next year. So... We're, you know, great. And, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out how many plus ones I could bring. Yeah, and, and be awesome. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I'll tell you what, we'll end up with sound bites, and there's people were recording stuff for their own broadcast and stuff. So they were letting people know this oh, is nice. for this is for broadcast. This is for broadcast. That's awesome. I just want to let you know. And then they would approach them again as if they had approached them for the first time, so that they get a clean take on it. So it was it was it was still show business, but um, I think. Um, the Brad Pitt speech was great. I love the fact that um, uh, Zellweger had given such honor to Judy Garland because I didn't have her winning that category, and she was ready to win. She had a speech ready to go, and she and and she finished with, you know, Miss Garland, you're looking down, and we are honoring you and thinking of you tonight. I thought perfect, absolutely perfect. So, and I had just seen that thing I talked to you about, about Judy Garland and, and how much she had been through. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. So, um, but getting on to, um, some other films, I, I, I sent you a text, uh, this week and I, I, I want to just tell people like, first of all, just mercy, everybody. I don't care. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your economic situation is. That movie is a true story. And Wow, Jamie Fox and uh, Michael B. Jordan, awesome, awesome I don't movie. Know the movie. It's uh, it's about all the injustices that were going on in Alabama for many, many decades, um, decades, where they literally were solving crimes by rounding up black men and putting them on death row. They weren't just putting them in prison for a period of time; they were putting them on death row and executing them, and then just kind of wiping that file clean. And this one crime in particular revolves around this woman who was killed. And Jamie Foxx plays the guy who was falsely accused and convicted and put on death row. And Michael B. Jordan plays the true story of this Harvard um, law graduate who has decided, instead of going for the big bucks, that he thinks people need him here. Mm-hmm. And he opens up in, in um, Monroeville, Alabama, and starts to realize he's opened up a can of worms. Like almost everybody on death row is innocent. And they, the system is just railroading these black men mm-hmm. into, de- and this way the community feels like, oh well, we're safer. Whereas the community, and I've always said, and I'll, I don't have any problem saying this, but you know, I I was in Alabama for a period of time in my life, 
And I had a really tough time finding an intelligent conversation. So, I mean, nobody in any high school is bragging about the SAT scores of those people, I can tell you that. But, uh, but And we've people, just alienated the state of Alabama from listening to us. Are you kidding me? They, 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 almost, they almost elected Roy Moore. They should be ashamed of themselves. I ran into a guy who was a, a, a local politician in Alabama, and he was ashamed of the fact that that was a close race because they knew Roy Moore was, was a, a pedophile. So, I have Ken down in Alabama. Yeah, well, I tell you what, I mean, Charles Barkley's from Alabama. And during that election, he openly said, there's a lot of stupid people in this state. I remember he was on CNN talking. Right, he was on CNN saying there's a lot of stupid people in this state. And I'm from Alabama, and I love Alabama, but there's a lot of stupid people here. And that's why it's a close race, because they just wanted to be Republican, no matter if Hitler was running as a Republican ticket. So there is a pedophile that is an elected official in Alabama. He almost became the senator or congressman of I Alabama. I believe it was senator, yeah. Senator oh of Alabama, and he, he was going up against a Democrat who was a fine man. No reason for this guy to have gotten this much opposition. Except that he was a Democrat. Except that he was a Democrat, and they were going to stay red no matter what. And it was a shock when the president endorsed him just because it's the Republican end of it. People kind of thought he was going to say, you know what? can't endorse this guy he's he's got too much of a history of pedophilia right. and instead he said he said i'm going to tell you to vote for roy moore he didn't really go off on a limb like the trump usually does mm-hmm. he just said i'm just telling you just vote for, for right. roy moore so and he didn't win he didn't win but he didn't win Sweet. he didn't win by like five thousand votes out of the whole state it was That's close amazing. yeah so roy moore was waiting for a recount and then the recount was done and it turned out it was seven thousand votes but he had <laughs> lost <laughs> but but he never he never even conceded defeat he never even Anyway, so um, Just Mercy, I recommend it, extremely recommend it. Uh, and I saw I um, Little Women, and I can't say I endorse that <laughs> because I'll wow. never get those two hours back. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know wh- where they went wrong on that movie, but the meandering going on in the household, and it's two hours of that, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is never going to end. So I'm of the belief that some novels should never be made into movies. Absolutely. And I think that's one of them. Absolutely right. You're or almost, absolutely. And I think that way about almost any Dickens novel should not be put on the big screen. <laughs> I just that. like, nobody can see the way you said Dickens. <laughs> but I'm watching you and you're like, any Dickens novel. <laughs> and it's almost like a euphemism the way you said it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's the... English degree in me coming out and how I had to just go back and reread all of those Dickens stories. Mm -hmm. You know, a thousand pages here, a thousand pages there. Like, okay. Now I know, I know you guys saw a couple of films. um, We saw Marriage Story the other day. And come on, let's talk about it. It was very good. It was good. It was very deep. I thought and even though, sorry, it seems to, it seems to touch an emotional cord. Even like I've never been divorced. Completely. But I, I, I like fatal attraction, made people fear cheating. That makes me fear divorce. <laughs> yeah. It, I was telling Corey, it just, it really shows and spotlights the ugly part of divorce. And even though, even if it's an amicable divorce, it just seems that there is ugliness about divorce. I mean, it's an ugly topic. Didn't it, seem like, didn't it seem like it accidentally went down a path of dirty Yes. yes. Like it just seemed like they their intentions were to be sterling yep. and to be respectful and to be just amicable. And then they brought it. And all of a sudden yeah. it was just like just talk to the lawyer, mm-hmm. make sure you're covered, and all of a sudden 
everybody started sharpening their weapons. Mm -hmm. But you know, spoiler alert here coming up, but as soon as you found out that Adam Driver's character had uh, committed a, uh, an affair, yeah. then you knew it was going to go down that so-called ugly path. Yeah, that's true. That's the only way that it was going to go. And, yeah. And and my most impressive character in that whole movie was Ray Liotta. Oh, my god! I know, right? <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen him do such a performance. I told I, that was, a I was like, that's Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta's performance seems to have been just overlooked in this movie, and it was a magnificent performance. And even though Laura Dern has Oscar cons uh, consideration going on, I'm like, why isn't Ray Liotta right there on the other side of that ticket? You know, I have to say, too, I am not a Laura Dern fan, but I thought she played that part spectacularly. Perfectly. Oh, my Perfectly. gosh. Perfectly. And, and the way she groomed... Scarlett Johansson yes. as as the the wife, to, you know, the soon to be ex wife, mm -hmm. the way she agreed with everything she said, and the way she just kind of went with it, and and felt like I, I could relate. Oh yes, here have some wine, <laughs> and but the Scarlett Johansson explanation of their marriage, like as an actor, I, I look at it like the scene in Fences when Denzel Washington has that thirteen page monologue, and I sit there and I go, that's a lot to do right. And they did it without cutting. And it's like, they never even cut to Laura Dern nodding in agreement. They just let her go back and forth, pacing, talking about her marriage, talking about living in New York, talking about how it's all about. And, and she just kept going. And I was like, that must have taken probably a week or two to get right with the lighting and everything and everything that could go wrong in a scene that long. And I thought, this is, this is a good movie. But when Ray Liotta came on the scene, and by the way, props to Alan Alda, Oh who gosh. who played a substandard attorney? He's a he's a he's basically the ninety nine cent store attorney that he hires to save the money. But yeah, and he's and getting he, what he's paying for. And he also sure. like had heart in it too, though. I thought that was yeah. Like, he didn't. He, he was doing the best he could. He was just right. He like, was doing the best yes. he could with the tools he had. And you can see he doesn't have near the tools that Ray Liotta at 900 bucks an hour had. Right. Ray Liotta was ready to go to war. Oh, yeah. So and, Jack, uh, yeah. quickly, who else? Now you as an actor, I, I want to get from your standpoint. So you mentioned Ray Liotta. Who else stood out for you? Like maybe an underrated performance. An underrated performance? An underrated performance on the male side and the female side. I think Who Matt Damon in Ford versus Ferrari okay. as Carol Shelby. I think that was an underrated performance. Um, well, obviously Ray Liotta. Um, uh, on the female side, you know, I, um, I don't, I think everybody seems to have gotten their props and in a, in a weird twist because most of the time the men get more than they deserve and the women seem to come up short. I think that as a result of the movie Bombshell, I think the women have gotten a lot more credit for great performances than the okay. performance were actually great. So I think I think Nicole Kidman was great, but I don't I think I don't think Margot Robbie was great. I think she was really really good, and I I think um, Charlize Theron in Bombshell was really, really good, but not great. And they're all getting this Oscar buzz attitude. And I'm thinking, okay, they were really good. But to me, there was a thing called MOWs in the 80s and 90s and 70s, which were movies of the week. And I think those performances were MOW worthy. Those are the kind of performances you would have seen on MOWs. And, 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 but Nicole Kidman... 
Which is interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's interesting that you say that because in watching Married's Marriage Story, yeah. I had that impression of the movie of the week. That's what it seemed like. And that's funny. It seemed you like say it that. was a seventies version. You know, like you were watching, like it took me back to like 1976. Right. A like movie back then. Right before Kramer versus Kramer happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and my wife thought the same thing. She thought this took a little while to get going. And then all of a sudden, now everybody was loading up their weapons. And once it got going, but the movie takes about 54 minutes to really get some, get some, you know, speed. But the other thing I was going to tell you before I forget is, um, and I took a little shot at Bombshell. Because a bombshell reminded me of a movie of the week or a lifetime movie or that kind of thing. But John Lithgow as Roger Ailes in Bombshell, John Lithgow was fantastic in that creepy, like every time he was on screen, I could feel my skin getting dirty. Like he just had that creep about him. And I, I thought, okay, you know what? That's a great performance. And I don't know how much he bulked up, but his chin and his neck looked like he had gained like 50 or 60 pounds for the role. Wow. And and John Lithgow is a fantastic actor. Yes, he is. Fantastic actor. Although somebody at this uh, little hearing here once beat him out for a role. Anyway, yes, I did. I once beat John Lithgow out for a part. You told us that. Yeah. You never told me this one. Yeah. Which uh, which role? It It was a movie called An Open Door. And it was a it was a resort owner, and I go up for the callback, and who's there with his two dogs is John Lithgow, and I thought, okay, you know, at that point I had terms of endearment by and and all this other stuff, and I thought, oh no, <laughs> and then I got the call, and I want to thank Crystal for casting me, but I also think it had something to do with scheduling as well because I don't know that he was quite as available with his schedule, and I had to be able to put in three weeks nonstop, and I don't know that he had that availability, but. I got to meet him and, and, you know, it was mutual respect. And I kind of was really prepared to concede because I, I had just gotten on the scene and then all of a sudden he's out. I'm in, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Did you see him in Dexter? Yes. yes. Oh my God. He was such a psycho in that show. <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> now Dexter, now you see that. Okay. We can go on a whole tangent with that. But, um, so that's, that's the mail. I, I will talk about Dexter another time, but don't Robin, don't let us get away from Dexter. Mm-hmm. But, um, but John Lithgow, I think, um, I think came in a little underrated. The other thing is, and you saw Ford versus Ferrari. Not yet. Not yet. You'll love it, but go see it in the theater. Go see it in the Mission Valley or something. Go see it on a big screen because it's it's a big screen movie and you'll feel like you're in the car racing with them. Um, the guy that played the um, high school coach in The Blind Side mm-hmm. is in Ford versus Ferrari as Carol Shelby's right-hand man. And it's a completely different character to the point where I kept saying to myself, where do I know him from? Mm-hmm. How do I know that guy? And then finally he said something. I was like, oh my goodness, he's the coach for for uh, Michael Orr when he was in high school, so yeah, so that's that's where I stand on, and I'm not. I don't think I got myself in any trouble, you know, because I mean I'm just being candid about you know some roles, you know some roles I think fell slightly short of the mark of great, you know. I mean if, to me, an Oscar is like the hall of greatness. It's not the hall of really good. So I think that if you came in really good. You don't that's deserve an Oscar. Yes, yeah, it is. I think yeah. That's it right there. And we will talk about the Hall of Fame later. <laughs> yes. So that's good. <laughs> a little and teaser. So I want to switch gears here. Since, so let's uh, move on. Well, we're talking about movies and things like that. And I want to put it out to the three of you. 
about what are some of, or maybe, no, let's do this. What? Give me. He's got something. You are <laughs> stranded on an island. People alone? Say, yes, alone. Okay. So we have to be alone here. So you can't be with your sister Robin. Hey, they'll believe that stuff. Yeah. All right. So give me five movies that you would have on an island with you. Okay, so we have like like a minute, 90 seconds to explain it? Just explain it. it, Okay, you go first. You got a minute. All right. Uh, First one is, uh, so start with uh, from top down. Uh, Number five, Spaceballs. Did you say, did you say Spaceballs? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were screwing hey, with hey, us. No. There's room, space there's room I for love space everybody's <laughs> What's next, Space Jam? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, an Ivan Reitman move production is on the list. Uh, follow that is uh, Empire Strikes Back, Ghostbusters, of course. Ghostbusters, I knew that. And uh, Martin Scorsese's Casino, which I think is his most underrated film. You take Casino of a Goodfellas. Yeah, I do. I was on cable a lot when, more than when I was a kid, and plus I, I went to Vegas a lot when I was younger. I just recorded it. I'm going to see it for the first time. I've never seen it. Oh, oh my God, we have the I've video. never seen it. It's a great well, I've film. I've got it on the DVR. I'm going to watch it. Oh, and uh, my last one, it's my favorite, Aliens. Oh, okay. Aliens? Not yeah. Alien. Yeah, Aliens. The, the sequel. Yes. Wow. So... I'm going to list my five. Uh, Rocky Two. I went to the premiere of Rocky Two. Kidding. Yeah. And I, I stood outside for four hours or five hours with Rocky fans. And then when I was in there watching it, I saw it in a theater called the Uptown One in Toronto. And they had an orchestra pit. It was an old-fashioned Oh, wow. With balconies. And like it was like the Lincoln-type theater. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, when Rocky and him are down and they're trying to fight to get to their feet, people had left their seats and crowded the orchestra pit yelling at the screen, <laughs> get up! So Rocky two, and... Um, Took a long time to get there, yeah. my brother. A I got to Rocky two with props. There. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're going right. to have Christopher Goff on the show. You watch. Rocky. He'll talk a lot of Stallone. So we got Rocky okay. two. West Side Story. To- West Side Story would be my other choice. All right. Um, Cannonball Run. I don't know why, but I always oh love the Cannonball Run. Cannibal Run. Burt Reynolds with all the celebrities, and I just love that. Now, the movie that I consider to be better than Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know what? That's I, I will give you credit for that. That's that's not a bad one. Thank you. You've got validation. Like, George you. Lucas told need. Spielberg he thought Close Encounters was better than Star Wars. They were made at the same time. Okay. So, all right, Jack, and fame. Bit of trivia here fame? for you. As fame. The, as the actor. Because wow. it's just like the school I went to at Harvard Collegiate was a performing arts school. Oh. Like fame, it was the same kind of school. And that was a good movie. I want to jump back to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Go with Who, me. And I only want you to answer this. Oh. Who was the actor that was originally slated to play the part? I know this. I do, I know this. Tell me. Tell us. Okay, it was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was cast to play the part Richard Dreyfuss had. The original, originally, I stumped you. No, it was Jack Nicholson. No, the person that was originally tabbed for it was Steve McQueen. But he told the directors that he couldn't cry on demand. Really? Yes. No kidding. Okay, because yes. because here's the way here's the way the story was up at the studio for years and years, and um, and Spielberg had said this himself, said that for weeks Dreyfus wanted the part and he didn't want Nicholson to have it, and Dreyfus would run by Spielberg's studio door, his office door, and yell, "Nicholas is crazy. <laughs> Nicholas is tough to work with. The guy's insane." He did this for weeks. And finally, Spielberg says, I saw this in an interview, Spielberg said, I called Nicholson. I said, do you mind 
if Dreyfus, Dreyfus seems to really want this. And he says, no, that's fine. He can have it. And, and Dreyfus was so thrilled to have it because he said he, that Nicholson would have brought an insanity to the role that, that Dreyfus, Dreyfus needed to look like he was approaching insanity, whereas Nicholson would have looked like he was starting from insanity. But I did not know. And I'll tell you something. And I, both stories are true, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was McQueen. So they're both true. Yes. So it was Nicholson. After McQueen, it was Nicholson. And then it was Dreyfus. That's correct. Okay. Now I'll tell you something you may not know about McQueen. Okay. I'll tell you two things you don't know. Okay. Careful. <laughs> one of my favorites. Oh, I love McQueen. All right. I love McQueen. Originally, McQueen is cast. Don't tell me. Dirty Harry. He was cast, uh, he was originally cast for Dirty Harry. That's right. And the reason why. That's not where I was going, but that's true. Okay, and the reason why he didn't take that role was because he didn't want to play another San Francisco cop. Right. From Bullet. Right. But he was supposed to be playing opposite Paul Newman in a Western in 1969. Yes. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes. And they fought, Paul Newman and Steve McQueen fought over billing. Yes. To the point where Steve McQueen said that if he doesn't get top billing, he's out. And Paul Newman said, no problem. There's this other guy I got. His name is Redford. And the studio said, we're not hiring Redford. And Newman put his reputation on the line and said, Redford can play Sundance. And then he told Robert Redford, you got to do this. Otherwise, I'm out of the studio. (laughs) And Redford said, I got this. And they became lifelong friends doing the sting and other things together. But I'll That's tell you awesome. something else you don't know about McQueen. And you may know this. The Fab Four at the studios, when I came on the scene in 1983, the Fab Four at the studios were Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. Roger Moore, mm-hmm. and Adam West. No kidding. They were the Fab Four at the studio, and the other three were really mad at Adam for taking a TV series. Did they ever have a movie or a the show together? together? No, oh, because they were really, they felt like TV was a step back. So, Jack, didn't Steve McQueen die in 1980? 1980, yeah. No, okay. but when I came on the studios in 1983, that was the legend at the studio, was that was the Fab Four coming up through the 60s into the 70s, was it was Roger Moore, Steve McQueen, Clint Eastwood and Adam West and the other three were really mad at Adam West for taking the role of Batman on TV because they all felt like they were movie stars. Well, you know, Adam West was quite the ladies man from what I, you know, from what I heard. And I heard this from going to see William Shatner back in the 90s. I listened to him speak and he talked a little bit about, you know, his, you know, because William Shatner, he's, you know, very egotistical. So he, you know, drops hints about all of his conquests. And he said that his running partner was Adam West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was surprised. Adam Adam West like, apparently oh, had Batman. groupies and fans around the set constantly. And Burt Ward says there were times we couldn't find him and we kind of knew where he was. Oh, <laughs> you know? Now, now I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something. That, well, you probably know this. Who was originally cast? Oh, I know this. Who was originally cast to play exactly the Captain Kirk? Well, uh, who was originally cast to play Captain Kirk? Originally, well, there, you, do you know a Paco? I don't know this one. Well, there were a couple of people who were originally cast. Roddenberry had cast somebody to play Captain Kirk, and he wouldn't do it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, he had what Jeffrey Hunter, so he had him in the pilot. Then he also had tabbed Lloyd Bridges, 
for one. His primary, Sina. his number one guy was Jack Lord. Yes, I was getting, I was getting the Jack Lord. Jack too. Lord, yeah. and Jack Lord turns it down. Mm-hmm. And of course, Shatner has been doing Twilight Zone episodes until they went off the air. Right. Was only too happy to have a regular job. Correct. And Jack Lord goes on to do Hawaii Five O. And Shatner ends up with a 40 or 50 year career doing Star Trek movies and promos. And you know what? I love William Shatner. I just, (laughs) you know, he's older, he's chubby, he was losing his hair, and he just lives life. He laughs at himself. He does. I I mean, he just, he's extremely entertaining to go and see. I would recommend anybody that goes to comic conventions and sci fi conventions, if he's there, Go and see him. It is worth the money that you would pay. Well, I mean, I think he's getting, what, a hundred and a quarter to get an autograph? Precise call, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but don't, don't get his autograph. <laughs> Actually, uh, they oh, just listen to him. Up. Don't get his autograph. Funny, funny you mentioned that. Uh, there's a sign that posts right there, because I've worked Comic-Con for years, and whenever he does show up, they actually have to post signs around the panels he's speaking. And they say, in like little italicized, absolutely no Star Trek-related questions. <laughs> oh, really? All right, so Robin wants to go last. What are your five movies? Let's real, hear your... Real easy for me. Huh? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh. Forrest Gump. Wait Apocalypse a Now. Wait a let's, let's piece you... Let's pull you apart. All right, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders Who was originally cast to play Paco. the lead? I know this one, too. I know he knows it. I know Paco knows it. I have it. no idea. Who was Tom originally? Selleck. Tom Selleck. Oh, you know, yeah. Tom right. Selleck was originally cast to play Indiana Jones, and oh. because of the writer's strike... It wasn't just that, but also his commitment with his TV show. TV. Well, no, actually, there was a strike, and Tom Selleck, to hear him tell the story, got a job as working construction for eight bucks an hour, and he was working on the hillside above where they were filming... Raiders of the Lost Ark down by the beach. Oh and he's working all day watching them film the movie he was originally cast in. <laughs> but because of the strike, he didn't do it. Interesting story. And that's from Tom Selleck himself. All right, so we got Raiders of the Lost Ark. For me, we've got Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump? Yes, Forrest Gump. Forrest Great. Gump. Oh, now, on. that's Forrest a groundbreaking Gump, film. Groundbreaking. Now, you could watch that again and again. That'd be, I can, that's, yes, I can watch it over and over. And I love that movie. He's on a desert island. Apocalypse Now. Great movie. I should have done I should have done Forrest Gump when he said Spaceballs. Also balls. who has Harrison Ford in it, by the way. That's no, right. But when he said Spaceballs, I should have been like, stupid is, as stupid does. Hey, <laughs> we gotta get Spaceballs, come on. You could have done that. <laughs> I'll do the rest of the show as Forrest Gump. <laughs> an, old, an older movie, but extremely compelling. Now, Actually, a movie that's better than the book. Manchurian Candidate. Uh, yes. Considered to be maybe the best made film ever. One of yeah, yeah. I, I have no argument with. I mean, that. right Anybody from that initial shot that. on the floor, right? And yeah, remarkable. Yeah, that's supposed to be maybe the best film ever made, and, and you could watch that again and again, again and again, and then last but not least, I know, uh, <laughs> L.A. Confidential. Yeah, yeah. You just my all time, my all time favorite movie. Yes. Now you know your partner on this show worked with Kim Basinger while she was doing that. No, I did not know that. Yes, you did know that now. Yeah, I worked with Kim Basinger while she was doing that. And my first question was, how do you pronounce your last name? Because people were saying Bassinger, and and she said, it's Basinger. And I said, okay. So one of the scenes we had to do, she's getting off a private jet, and the media's there, and she's herself in this commercial, and she's just supposed to say, hola. And we got everything set up. We got the extras ready to go. And she comes off the jet, and she stands there, and she puts her arm up, and she says... Line, 
And I said, are you kidding me? And the director said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't yell at Miss Basinger. We do not yell at Miss Basinger. And he said, Miss Basinger, it's hola. And she goes, oh, okay, I got that. While we're on that subject, (laughs) while we're on that subject, let me ask you, did you think that her performance in that movie was Oscar worthy? No. Okay, I didn't either. No. For some reason, I thought everybody around her. Exactly. Yeah, like I think she was she was standing on a podium of amazing performances and breakout performances. But I didn't think her performance. Frankly, I thought her performance in Nine and a Half Weeks was yeah. a better performance than L.A. Confidential. I'm with you on that. You know, even though even though Nine and a Half Weeks was borderline kind of porno-ish, Porno, yeah. but it, it, with Mickey Rourke and with the whole manipulation and the mind games and everything, I thought, boy, that's that's a great performance right there. And I didn't think I didn't think she was going to win. I, I mean, I didn't think she was going to win any more than I thought Daniel Day-Lewis would win for my left foot. You know? I mean, so, so yes, I agree with you on that. But, yeah, that's a great movie. That is a great movie. All right. All right. So now, the let's. crown jewel, Robin with a Y, who has been waiting to go last. Let's see what she's got. Okay. So. If you say space balls. You better live up to the, you better live up to the hype here. I'm going to go all Forrest Gump on you. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> you never okay, know what so you're going to get. This is in no particular order, so it's not necessarily from my favorite or least favorite. So um, the first one I have on my list, Charlotte's Web, the animated show with um, Wilbur the Pig. That's all right. great movie some pig yeah okay charlotte's web is it a disney is that a disney film no, no it wasn't it was just what? i guess probably independent i don't independent. know I don't probably know rankin and bass but you could, you could watch that again and again and again i have the movie if you want to borrow it oh i would watch it please yes. borrow it. I'll, I'll bar- great when story. i ask him to borrow space balls i will borrow that all right bar- please borrow that. <laughs> wow. all right, next. okay um next let's see charlie brown the grinch and rudolph all is like on one dvd I knew she yes. wanted to go last for a reason. She cheated. And uh, remember the Titans. Mm, good movie. Great That's, movie. Movie. That's a great movie. Great, great. Yeah, movie. the other the other montage yeah. of movies doesn't count. That doesn't count. Okay, Godfather. And since it's in one box. No, no, no. Now you're glad you're not on the island with yeah. her alone. Oh, <laughs> she has to be on the island by herself. I hope she says Godfather. Um, so we got three. three. Two more. Uh, well, Godfather. Yeah, but which well, ones? Godfather, no, what? Godfather one. That's yeah. uh, don't don't even think about Godfather three. Well, you want well, to talk about spaceballs, so, you know? Okay. So, um, and then I have, uh, let's see, Pulp Fiction. Mm. Oh, love me some Pulp Fiction. That's four. And now, Pulp Fiction. Most people don't realize that John Travolta is killed. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody realized. No, no, that. I I pointed that out to people, and they're like, "When does he die? He's in the final scene." How is oh he? My God. Okay. I'm like, it all switched I, I know, I know, but you can't figure it's, that it's out. A, it's a brilliant I, film, mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's four timelines going on at the same time. But people movie. forget all about Bruce Willis and that whole scene in yeah, his apartment. But heavens yeah. to market if you can't figure that out, I'm like. I, I have said gracious. that to so many people who have said he doesn't die in the movie. He's in the diner with Samuel Jackson. Oh, at the my end. gosh. And I'm like, he dies. I tell you, he is shot to hell in that what movie. What is your last movie? <laughs> my last one, Crown Jewel, Last of the Mohicans. Mm. All right. Wait a second. Great is that, movie. Is that, who's that? Who's that? Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. You know what? I, my I, don't like, I don't like <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm not a fan. I mean, he, he did fine in that movie, but that movie... 
it has romance and it has action and it has violence and it's just let oh me, my god let, the men hold up the men in that movie are real no, men one hundred percent. What I was going to say is the, the the listening audience doesn't realize that we are all facing each other. Mm-hmm. And when I happen to mention Daniel Day Lewis, my left foot winning, you lit up, and I thought. Do you even know that movie? I was wondering why you... And then it's Last of the Mohicans is why you lit up. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. And that is that is a dedicated actor. He did a film where he was tattooed. He got tattooed, and he's had the tattoos removed since. Damn. I mean, yeah. I mean, he got tattooed for the part. Wow. He is completely committed to roles. Yeah, I just think that's a... That is, okay. I could watch so, that movie a hundred times. All right. Times. So, okay, so, so that wraps being, it up. That's speaking of being committed to roles, I think we need to step away yeah. for Let's a commercial. Do, and then when it. we come back, I'm going to tell you guys about a place that you should not go to. A place where angels fear to tread. Is that Spaceballs? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> we'll be back in just a couple. Okay. SoCal Hempco. There's a good reason why CBD oils are all the healing rage. CBD oils relieve pain and soreness in joints, lower back, and soft tissues naturally. SoCal Hemco provides ultimate quality CBD oils for all your pain relief needs. Natural solutions for pain relief are the intelligent, logical solution for a better quality of life. Opioids have been exposed as a life-threatening form of pain management. CBD oils have been proven to ease and relieve pain, stiffness, soreness, and aches all over your body with a completely natural approach that has been proven to work and work well. Go to SoCalHempCo and put it in the promo code JV to the pros and receive 10% off all orders of $25 or more. Remember, use the promo code JV to the pros and get your CBD oils for relief of pain and injuries from arthritis, age, or anything else that may be causing you discomfort. CBD oils at SoCal Hempco is your path to becoming pain-free. Welcome back to JV to the pros. <laughs> I'm Jack Vecchio. And if you only knew what was happening during the break, you'd be laughing too. All right, Corey, let's move on. What do you got? You don't want to know. <laughs> so here we are with our science and technology. And they're, our, only, they're only witnessing a piece of the fun. <laughs> yes, they are. Because believe me, because the truth is most assuredly alien. You betcha. All right. So I wanted to talk about... A very scary place, a place where angels fear to tread. Mm. And it's a place that, darn it, I can't pronounce. So I'm going to go to producer <laughs> and tell me, how do I pronounce this place that I have looked at? Let me try to pronounce And that has scared me since I was a kid. It really? Aokigahara Forest. Aokigahara. Did I say that right? Aokigahara. The Aokigahara Forest. Now, do you say it? Is that all one word? It is. It's yeah. not Ayo Kigahara. <laughs> you know, that's actually a good way to remember. Ayo Kigahara. Kigahara. So Ayo, the Ayo Kigahara Forest, <laughs> which is in Japan, just northwest of the beautiful Mount Fuji. That forest is 13 and a half miles thick. Wow. Now, now, what is so scary about that place? And why do they call it the Sea of Trees? Well, it's a place where people go to die. What? 
Yes. So maybe you should explain okay. to the audience what <laughs> yeah, it's this should have been in the pre-production meeting. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean a place where people go to die? Well, it is a place where people frequent frequently go and commit suicide there. By hanging? By However, all sorts of things. They, they have found ropes on trees, but it, when you stray off the path, which you have to be very careful, they have found bones, skulls, all sorts of things littered. That forest has been littered with. Oh, wait a uh, second. What, what kind of count are we talking about? Like 10, 15, 20 people have died? No, there? it averages about 100 a year. 100, 100 people a year die in this About forest. 100 so you, people a year die there. Now, am I crazy or is this like maybe the greatest reality show ever? You Just could put literally go into the, the forest <laughs> well, and actually, you might come across a body. Like there there was a YouTuber. I was going to mention that, yeah. Hey, there was really? a YouTuber that videotaped a hanging dead body. By and, accident? No, no intentionally. intentionally. And oh. he got all kinds of Hate. throwback. He posted that. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's not cool. So the place is called the Sea of Trees. So in other words, you go in there and it immediately goes dark. So that adds to the whole haunting experience if you were to ever walk through there. Okay, well, it's 13 miles deep. 13 I mean, miles how, deep. Was it, how, what's it, how wide is it? I mean, what are we talking about? Is it a mile wide or is it 13 miles one way? And I mean, what, what's it squared up? It's about 13 miles, 13 and a half miles uh, one way. And then the other way is about 11 and a half. Oh, it's a giant piece of it's land. A giant, oh, yeah. Yes, it's, it's a giant dense. piece of real estate. When wow. you get inside of it, there, there's so much growth that it blocks out the sun. So clearing trees, not an option? Clearing trees is not an option there. No. Wow. And you well, have, How did you guys hear about this? You know, me being a writer of The Strange and, and the Macabre, I look up all of these types of places. You know, what are some of the strangest places to go, uh, you know, in the face of the earth? And, you know, what are the scariest places to go? And this place is always on the list. So when you've gotten upset with me over football and you said, hey, let's go for a hike in the Aokigahara forest. Is that what you meant by that? Yes, I was thinking about taking you there. Where all your you jet there. stuff and come on. Yes. <laughs> right. I think that's where the Jets uh, trophy is. I think it's there in that forest somewhere. That certainly is where our season went this year. <laughs> damn, damn straight. Now, you know something else that adds to the allure of the place because the, the soil is, you know, rich in um, uh, magnetic iron. So it plays havoc with GPS and phones. So oh. your phones don't work there. So that is adds, you know, to the whole allure of, I mean, you know, did, it's a they, scary Do they place. tend to fail or that no phones work there? Generally, phones do not work there. So no calls in, no calls out. Once no. you go in there, you're off the grid. You are well, off the that's grid. That's a good way to look at it. Yes. I mean, seriously, like yes. that, that grid of 11 by 13 miles or whatever, it you're off the grid, huh? 14 yes. square miles. And the place is a virtual obstacle course with all of the uh, the roots of the, of the trees being, uh, you know, windy and twisty. And then you have uh, some areas that are rocky. Then you have also some areas that have like small caves. So, you know, you never know where you're walking. And it never occurred to anybody to, to solar light this or light this or get some lights in there. People have done that. So they've done that. They've gone, you know, at night, you'll have some, you know, adventurous uh, folks. Young people tend to do that. And so they'll go on there with lights. But what happens is, I don't know if it's their imagination or I don't know if it's something that they're really seeing, but all of a sudden they tend to run out of there. And the other thing that they do, and the searchers will do this also, they use tape because people get lost in there. Mm -hmm. 
And you think, well, wait a minute, hold it. It's only it's only 13 miles. How No, are it's 14 lost? square miles. Robert or 14. Said. I mean, yeah, 14 square miles, 13.5, depending on uh, you know what publication you look at. So I'll go with 14. So you okay. have 14 square miles. People are getting lost there, and they're never coming out. People go in there, and they never come out. So, so the whole dropping breadcrumbs thing, uh, you know, no, seriously, like, like with like some tape or something, um, that that doesn't seem to help the situation. Well, the, the tape will work. The tape has worked for people because people have gone in there, obviously, and they've come back out. But there's a great many people who don't. Well, if you're getting a hundred a year, a hundred a year that are going in there, and these are not people going in there with the intent of committing suicide. Not all of them. Not do. all of them. But some no. of them do, and they say that the reason they go in there is because they are they can die peacefully. Yes. So, like I said, wow. not all of them. So, yes, some go in there, but then you have some that just go. And this is in Japan. This yeah. is in Japan. Okay, where where in Japan do we know? By right Mount Fuji. At, yes, by Mount Fuji, just northwest. So of that's a big Mount tourist Fuji. spot. It's yes. a big tourist spot. And then there's this 14 square miles of of basically an abyss where you could come up missing or dead. And there's no way to drop. You can't go in there like with police tape or something and just have it unroll and follow it, follow you in, so you know your way out. I mean, if you, you need to scream, you probably, run. you probably people could. have gotten out. Yes, people have gotten. I mean, people have gone in there and they've. Well, come they back. actually have rangers stationed around the forest, and they always keep an eye on people because they're trying to discourage as much people as possible from you know killing themselves. I mean, if you get in trouble, you could shoot up a flare. Somebody's going to know you're in trouble in there. I don't. If you know, that's a good question. I don't think the trees. flare would get through the trees. It's that thick. It's that thick. Oh, I've got to look. Much it's less called so. the sea. It's called the sea of trees. Wow. Ao 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 Kigahara. Ao Kigahara. And 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 it's funny because you could say Ao Gigahara. I like that. <laughs> you like that? Or it says also you're going to start writing tonight, right? Yeah. Suicide forest. Ao Gigahara. That's good stuff. So there you go. That's amazing. Yes, it is. And I've never heard of that. And I'm surprised that there's never been a movie about it. There's been movies about Mount Fuji. There was a couple low-budget horror flicks about it. And there was this really bad... Like a drama made with Matthew McConaughey and uh, and Ken Watanabe called Sea of Trees. They actually booted it at the con. <laughs> yeah, but you see, I'm talking about a quality project, you know, that that, that really gets the point mm-hmm. across. Because to me, just talking about this makes me think, okay, you know, who steps in there knowing you may not right. exit? You know, like, crawl. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I would I would sit there. That might be the last bad chess move of your life. I mean, if you think about it, like you go in and you don't have the intent of killing yourself, you could still end up dead. Like that's not your agenda. That's right. And and I mean, not me because I work out, but I mean other people, you know. I work out. Yeah. <laughs> macho, macho man. Well, you know, Jack, there and the rest of you, there are a lot of places like that. And as we go through, you know, our truth is alien segment, we're going to touch on a lot of these places. Yes. That, that we're going to bring this compelling. stuff to light. That is really compelling thought. Robin, what do you got? Okay, so I want to read a couple things here. Okay. So uh, the there was a spooky horror film called The Forest, The Forest, which is um, was loosely based on this. This is Sea of Trees thing. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Suicide Forest. Suicide uh, Forest. That's see. what it should be called. Most popular, one of the most popular suicide destinations in the world. Ja- uh, Japan has a long tradition of suicide. 
Japan has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. 24,000 people died country within the country in, I believe it was 2017. Well, no, no, okay, that's 2000, a couple of years ago. Now, I mean, I, I know that it used to be that um, it was like an honor if if you had done something really bad in your life or if you failed your family or if you misinvested or somehow let a, people close to you down, you go kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And that was like a thing of honor, like you should not be still with us. Is that still the case in Japan? Because I've never been to Japan. I've never been you know, either. I, I, I know I, I flew their flag once and apparently I had it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Death by hanging is the most popular method of suicide among the sea of trees. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I would think so. It's trees, but but I I mean I'm wondering if people are doing this out of like uh, an obligation of honor within their culture. Right. You know, um, it's kind of like in the Middle East, there's honor killing. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody somebody does something bad to your family or your your family, you do an honor killing. And basically, you're relieved by the system if it's an honor killing, if it's proved to be something in which you're protecting the integrity of your family. I'm sure some do, you know, and we can, you know, it's very difficult to speculate, you know, on the dead and the reason why that they were dead out there. But what we, what I tend to listen to are the people who have gone inside of the, uh, the forest and have come back. And it's interesting that they'll talk about that they hear voices, mm-hmm. even though they don't hear any sounds of wildlife. But they will hear voices. They will hear whispers. There's all sorts. Well, think of about it. If you've now, I believe in spirits. I do. I believe in spirits. I believe that 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 you don't just leave and then and then you just kind of go, you're gone. So if you've got over a ten year span, a thousand people who have died in that forest. It's quite a wellspring, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and I'm sure not everybody figures out the map when you get you know on the other side after you die. So I'm thinking people might be hanging around there. I mean, yeah, I. I you know, I don't want to. I don't want to cheapen or, or discount what we're talking about. But when I look at like a movie like Ghost, where he's dead, but he doesn't really know what to go, what to do, what, you know, how to handle things, and he's wandering around on the subway. I'm wondering if that's maybe what happens when the moment you die, you like you still have to figure things out. I think it's like a whole new learning curve. It's quite a visual. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's quite know. a visual, and and you know what? And very believable. You, I could see that. That there's with all those spirits, the, uh, yeah, you hanging around, you're saying, and, hanging around there, and just wondering, waiting for somebody to take them by the hand, if you will, and lead and, them and, out, and, and, yes. and point them in the right direction. That's a great point. You know, I, yeah. I'm wondering because I always thought, like, okay, you know, you die, but in your soul, and I've seen some odd videos of people that are dying in a hospital, and because of the lighting, it actually looks like the smoke coming from them it looks like their soul leaving their body, and I'm thinking. Over and over again, it looks like the same thing. And I'm thinking there must be a way, a moment where you can actually catch that on film and see that happening where the soul leaves the body. Well, so, actually, uh, Jack, it's funny you mentioned that. There was an old experiment done way back when by a parapsychologist who attempted to weigh the soul. And he, what he did was he found a, a patient who was terminal. And at the exact, and he had him out, I guess he rigged some kind of contraption where you would actually weigh the person uh-huh. and allegedly when the person died the balance tipped a little bit lighter so, so the soul weighed something precisely see that's interesting that's yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that pretty much scratches the whole space balls thing right. that's good you just recovered from the space balls thing but I'm thinking if, if you've got a thousand people over a ten year span you probably have some souls wandering around in there like 
waiting for direction or well, something. Well, some people aren't found in, in the, immediately. And it says in here, if you venture off the trail, you could come across some grisly th- discoveries because there are bones sometimes or personal effects, things like that. Sounds like parts of the South Bronx in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think on that note, yeah, we should that's, probably... Yeah, that's a really interesting place on the planet. Yes, I don't know is. how you found that. Now, how long have you known about that? Probably, I've known you a long time, so come on. Probably about 20 years. And I've you've never mentioned it this. to me. No, I didn't you've feel been saving the, it for tonight. I didn't feel the need to I mention see. it. Okay. Yeah. You know. I, see, I find that fascinating. That, well, that, that, that's more fascinating to me than the Bermuda, uh, Bermuda Triangle. Same here. To me, that that's yeah. amazing, that spot. Yes. And, and, and the bad energy... Oh, must eerie, be must be like creepy. a whirlpool just pulling in more bad energy. Yes. I, I mean, like you got Yeah, exactly. It just must be must be sucking the good energy out of that area when you got all that bad going. Anyway, I'm sorry. Now you come. No, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So where so are we going? So there. You, so there you have it. The how do you say that, Robin? Okay. Ayo, Kigahara. Forest. Kigahara. So. What is it really? We don't know. You have to decide for yourself. Well, it's a nightmare. <laughs> okay. All right. So next we are going to sports. And we have got... Um, Wait a second. Who's winning the second season, the playoff season? The really season care that counts? About sports. There's only 12 picks. teams invited to that dance, and I think Jack has dominated. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we all won last week. Chiefs and 49ers. That's so how am I doing in the playoff season? Uh, two, six, seven, eight. Ooh. To three, four, five, six. Eight out of ten games. Not bad. Not all bad right. at Kicking all. Kicking butt. But I'll tell you what. Last week, I, I would not have been shocked. When, when it was 17-7 with the Titans up, I thought, okay, you know what? Now they just have to play smart and keep this game under there was no getting away. They couldn't keep their foot on Mahomes' throat. He was not going to have it. Anybody that drops 50 on one team and then drops another 35 the next week, I'm like, okay, these are playoff teams. These are teams that are a lot better than everybody else because they made right. the playoffs. And now you just dropped 85 in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a month for some teams. There's two keys to beating Kansas City. You need a top-notch secondary and you need a quarterback that can actually slug it out with you. And that is something that Tennessee didn't have. Right. They just, you know, they just didn't have it. And I'm telling you, there were two teams that I felt that could have beaten uh, the Chiefs. One was the Ravens because the style of play with the Ravens because they have the secondary. And that would have been a great AFC that championship great game. One. And then the other team, but, you know, Brady has declined, but it would have been the New England Patriots. I think that that was the only other team that I felt that could stand in the way. See, to me, the Patriots toward the end of the season reminded me of a car that really needed a tune-up. Mm-hmm. It just seemed to be spitting and sputtering to the finish line, almost like that the marathon runner in the 70s when his legs were given out yeah. and they turned to rubber. It just seemed like they just didn't have anything left. It was the quarterback. I mean, it's a classic team that we've seen over the years that has you know a really good defense, but the offense, you know, and the quarterback holds you back. And well, it's hard, and it's terrible to say that about the GOAT, but that's what you I, have. I thought it was interesting. The quarterback for the Patriots was named Brady. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah okay, right. Yeah, some guy. He's still A couple there. days ago, met with Mark Davis. Met with Mark Davis. You know who Mark Davis is? Mark Davis is the owner of the Raiders. Oh. 
He's the owner of the Raiders, and they have a quarterback. And I don't know, he's never met with the Davis family. And all of a sudden, Brady met with Mark Davis. And I'm thinking, no way he goes to the Raiders. So here I, here I am. I'm going to get into the head of Tom Brady. I'm going to be like what no one else can do. You can unscrew his cap. I'm going to unscrew his cap. <laughs> I think that Brady is doing all of this, but I think secretly he still wants to be a Patriot. But I don't think Belichick wants him. I think Belichick has looked at him objectively and said, you know what? No, this guy will hold us back. But, yeah, because, you know what? He has been a patriot his entire life. I mean, his entire career. And his who career. wants to end their career, such a great career, on another team? There's no also, villain. you don't want to end on a pick six. Well, there's no villain. Right. In, but, see, there's no villain in this story. Right. What, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it's uh, Belichick wants to move on. You brought me to ten Super Bowls. You won six of them. If you want to stay here, you remember, do you guys remember when Jim Palmer was ready for retirement with the Baltimore sure. Orioles? Okay, he, he didn't have it anymore. Right. But they were so appreciative of what he had done for that franchise. They told him, you get a uniform and you go out there and pitch. And he was only throwing 75 miles an hour at that time. His arm was done. And they See, said- You can get away with that uh, in no, baseball, but, but they No, but he was getting tattooed. Night after night, and they said this will be his decision to leave. This is what I think they should do with Brady. Say, you know what? You have given us so much. If you want to stay and you want to do what you want to do here, you're the quarterback. But how about if he's left second string quarterback? Like they need. He doesn't want to hold the clipboard. You know, I think I think if he does become a coach, it will be with the Patriots. I think he would be a terrible coach. I think that the greatest players of all time are often. So you think it's going to be a Ted Williams type thing? Yeah, he's. No. You remember when Ted Ted Williams was one of the greatest hitters of all time, and Ted Williams became a, a hitting coach after he retired. Mm. And the way he became a hitting coach is guys would swing and miss, and he would go up and instead of changing their mechanics, he would say, "The ball's coming in. You can see it. Just hit it." <laughs> because that's what he did. Once the pitcher let go of it, he can see the spin of the ball. He knew where it was going to be when it got to the plate, and he would just hit it. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand that other people needed to make adjustments in that point four seconds, mm-hmm. and he just he failed as a hitting coach because he couldn't teach his talent to people that weren't as talented as he is. Right. Find but me it, an iconic, I mean someone borderline goat status that has been a great coach or manager in any sport. I think Johnny Unitas was a great backup. No, no, I said coach. But but he was basically a coach. No, no, I, I got it. But he was, yeah. st- I got it. He was still playing. But right. I said I want a coach or a manager. Oddly, I you know I, I I know I am completely against this man being in the Hall of Fame. But I think Pete Rose was a great mentor, and he was a player manager. I, I just I can't put him in there. Yeah, Pete Rose. Pete no, Rose I, got I'm the best saying, of his team. No, I got you. And when he went I to the can't. Phillies. In 1980, he I brought remember. them to the World Championship. I remember. Yeah. I was there. Right. I, so I remember. But I'm saying he was still playing. I said a coach. Someone who's not playing. Because, yes, because Bill Russell was a player coach. Give me uh, someone iconic, borderline, GOAT status that has been an excellent, I won't even say great. How about an excellent manager See, and, and Michael Jordan, who's considered by many to be the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. apparently could not coach or didn't want to or no, didn't have I, I mean, Magic Johnson. Right. Magic you know, Johnson a disaster. was terrible. That was horrible. Right. That was tragic, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. He was walking onto the court in the middle of plays, and they were, he was being ejected regularly. He didn't know what he was doing as, I a, mean, as a coach. I mean, the great players, they don't do it. Now, what I have found that you take a lot of the great players, 
they can be general managers. Joe Girardi. So, Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi was a player uh-huh. and a great, great manager. Right, but not a great player. Not a great player. Yeah, not a great player. Not iconic. Yeah. Not a GOAT. But I have found that um, when they're doing player personnel, I have found that uh, the great players or the GOATs or near GOATs are excellent. Like, I think the uh, possibly the greatest GM in basketball is Jerry West. But they oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about you think about what he's what he's done. Now, where is he at right now? He's with the Los Angeles Clippers, and he's on every NBA logo in the world. Yes, most people don't realize that the logo of the NBA is Jerry, Jerry West. West. That's him. Oh, That's Jerry goodness. West. But yes. that man knows how. But to Kareem Abdul Jabbar could not do it, right? And you you may have quite a point there. You may have quite a point. Now you got Derek Jeter, now who is, you know, basically the GM with the Marlins in a second career. See, and GMs work. I mean, Larry Bird was pretty good with the Pacers. Well, here's my, um, here's my thinking with, with, with Jeter. Jeter uh, spent a lot of time with Brian Cashman. Right. And he got to see the master at work. So he understands how to be a GM. See, and they know how to pick players. They know how to find themselves, but they don't know how to teach what they do. That's the difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I have trouble explaining the, idiot, the the minor adjustments I make pitching when I see a batter slightly move one of his feet and stuff, and I'm in the middle of a pitch. It's hard to understand the way I change my angle, and it's hard to explain to somebody the adjustment you have to make and how you have to shift your hips a little and bend your back a little bit differently as you see him because you have to react to his action. And it's hard to explain that to somebody because it's a moment thing. Well, and when you're a great player... I mean, let's face it, right? You have the natural talent. And so you're kind of like, you should just be able to do this. Right. I mean, haven't we come across people that are good at things and they're impatient? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, you should be able to do this. Well, you know, I I saw in this AFC championship game, I saw a little bit of Mahomes' impatience come out. There were a couple of plays where he threw the ball into into no man's land, and he got up after being hit, and he's yelling at, uh, I think it was Tyreek Hill, and he's saying, he's saying, that's the move, you need to go up. And he's flicking his hand saying, that's a fly at that point. When I'm on the run like that, that's where we use your speed and you go. So I'm sitting there when he got up and he's showing his frustration instead of waiting to get into his dugout, into his dugout, into his huddle and, and talk to him. He was doing it right there in front of everybody. So that's, that's where you go. I mean, we're we're already, we're already spreading the defense. It's time to go. And with his speed, I'll throw the ball. You'll catch it. And he's a third year player. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see 10, 12 years from now, like what he's like. No, wait, Mahomes is second year, isn't he? No, this is third. This is third season. Yeah. Third? Yeah, is this Are you positive? Third? Is, yes, positive. Okay. This is second year starting. But his first year, remember, he was actually under Alex Smith. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> and then Alex got hurt. And then, right. Right, I got you. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, we saw a little bit of the immaturity with um, Mahomes. And I don't think we'll see that emotional immaturity with Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. So, uh, and the other thing is, um, we had monitors at the SAG Awards. Where, where, in case we missed any of the speeches, we had, we had, we could hear what was going on. But we also had a TV over in the corner with the sound off, and we were watching, watching the, the Niners game. game. And it was, <laughs> it was like a pinball machine. And we got to a point where we we're just like, just shut it. This is all over. <laughs> so, can the big network can they stop propping up Aaron Rodgers? I mean, once again, another playoff failure. 
No. You have some people Let me on that four-letter network that would uh, try to yeah. prop him up as the GOAT. I'm Hang like, on a second. He's not the GOAT. But, uh, no, he's but here's the other thing is, you've got a corporation spending literally $100 million a year advertising on your network. Mm-hmm. And with their insurance company, in which Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes are involved in those commercials with State Farm. Mahomes. You are, yeah, you're not going to sit there and do anything but suck up to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is the lead guy in that commercial. Okay, but suck up to Patrick Mahomes, who is the best player in the NFL, and everybody sees it. I mean, you kind of look stupid when you're propping up a guy who's just, he's just not that good. And also, he's in decline. He makes great thro- very much throws, decline. but he is slightly in decline. Not even slightly. He's very much in decline. I think by the 2022 season, we won't. We won't have Aaron Rodgers. I tell you, my goodness, though, I'd take him on the Patriots. Give him all. Yes, there are so many quarterbacks that I would take for New England. He's part of the fabric in Green Bay. He's not going anywhere. Oh, I know that. He's not going anywhere. And he'll stay there till he's done. Even if he has to be a second string. No, he just, they're just going to, at one point or another, they're going to decide it's over. But he is absolutely on the tail end. He's been in the league 10 or 11 years. Well, he, right. He'll be what? Thirty-seven. I, mean, I, I still remember that draft line. where people were bypassing him, and he just kept shaking his head like, "You don't know what you're missing." Mm-hmm. And then finally, Green Bay was out of choices and needed a quarterback, and they kind of reluctantly took him. And he didn't even run up there. He knew that this was a throwaway pick, but he was going to make everybody pay for it that bypassed him. Because you see him sitting at the table thinking he was a top ten, and it just kept going, and he was just shaking his head like, oh, "What are they thinking?" Yeah, that was the Alex Smith draft. That was the Alex Smith first pick, oh five draft. Now think about it; it's nineteen, so it's fourteen years, mm-hmm. and and Aaron Rodgers was sitting there. Where's Alex Smith? Unfortunately, unfortunately, Alex Smith, you know, that was a horrible injury. I would take him and in his prime right now for the Patriots. You would take Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years. No, I, and I would take Alex Smith right now. Also no, Alex Patriots. Smith's never going to play again. I know. I'm saying yeah. in his prime, I said I would take Alex Smith in his prime right now. What given the way Patriots oh, it's a horror injury. Oh my gosh, it's like you know he's he's fighting for his life. He's, it's a bad, bad, bad injury. We'll discuss it sometime. Yeah. But it's, it's a it's a it's a bad injury. Um, but he will never play again for let's, sure. Let's jump to baseball. Let's jump to baseball. So we've had some breaking developments go on with the Houston Astros, Jack. Yeah. What's your amazing? opinion? What's your opinion on all you of that? You know what? I, I, I don't know that you could rewrite history, but I know that Major League Baseball and Joe Torre is actually heading the committee um, about whether or not to pull the two World Series championships in which um, Cora was involved in the cheating scandal. Who has since been fired, fired by, by, uh, the by the Red Sox. And and the manager and the general manager at the, at, with the Astros sure. are gone. But the, everybody has taken a strong stand admitting this was way past stealing basic signs. Although I, I told your story, Robin, and that, that was so funny about stealing signs. Everybody <laughs> just... <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think Major League Baseball is looking to do something really drastic, really shocking, but they are seriously considering taking away two World Series championships and giving them to the team that lost the World Series, which would be the Dodgers back-to-back. And so the Red Sox, they're going to take the Red Sox? And the Astros. I don't... Not my Red Sox. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it either. I, I don't, here's the thing. I don't mind if you really want to take it from Houston. I'm okay with that. But as far as giving it to a team... 
Because yeah, then you're saying, oh, yeah, they definitely no, would have won that's the, if you hadn't well, done Well, that's that. what they're saying is that, that without this advantage, the Dodgers would have won. I, I but I, I, I think Kershaw that. is Kershaw. Yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't say that. But I, here's, I, here's – That's kind of retroactive, don't you think? Here's what I think they should yes, do. Yes, I do. You know, I think they should do like they did during the lockout. It wasn't a strike. It was a lockout in the, in, in the NFL, uh, in Major League Baseball, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and – the Toronto Blue Jays were the reigning champions. And there was a lockout in which the owners locked out the players. People thought it was a strike and it was a lockout. So what happened was nobody played the World Series in 94. So the previous team was declared to be the reigning champion until somebody defeats them. Yeah, I didn't like that either. And, well, there's got to be something. If you're going to pull the championship away, I say... Just blank those years. Just Yeah, just, just leave it, vacate, yeah. vacate those championships. But, you know, I don't care about the rings. The rings are nothing if they don't if they aren't right. real. And I think you take away those, those championships. You do take away the championships. I don't say you give them to the Dodgers. I just don't say you give them to the Dodgers. That or the other team, regardless of who the other team is, right? <sighs> Right. We we had we had a situation at the World Championships one time where um, we were approached um, about whether or not we should um, allow it to be co-champions for the championship game, and I didn't understand co-champions? co-champions because we were getting ready to play the championship game, and frankly there was going to be an issue with the sun going down and this and that. So everybody and gets a trophy. Everybody, right. everybody gets no a participation award. trophy, right? No soccer people. And my team, to to our credit, our coach Healy said no. We would rather lose than be co-champions without playing, and we ended up losing that game, and we lost it on on, on a on a signal. Yes, a signal, a sign that that wasn't picked up by a batter. We lost it on a bunt that was the sign was bunt and he didn't pick it up mm. and he swung through and hit it to second base and we had an absolute suicide squeeze to tie the game and and he didn't catch the sign and that's where we lost the game. But I don't see giving the championship to somebody else who didn't actually win it. There you go. And I say you vacate it, let them do whatever the hell they want to do with their rings, but those trophies go back. Yeah, vacate it. And then the other thing is this, and you know, and we talked about this uh, last week, don't dip your toe in the water, baseball. So if you don't like cheating and that kind of stuff, then clean it up, clean up the steroids, clean up all the other nonsense, sign stealing, get rid of all of that. Well, they've done a very, very good job of surprising people with testing. So the Mm -hmm. testing, and they are suspending guys for, 100 games, 60 games. They're suspending guys for like an entire season. But find the team also. Punish the team. Because well, you don't think that the team knows? These so guys. You have a guy's uh, head that blows up like a, like a watermelon. So and all of a sudden, the trainer doesn't realize that, oh, well, okay, wait a minute, something's going on yeah, with this Major guy? Major League Baseball is watching this, and okay. they're just surprising guys by walking up to the locker room. And they're saying, okay, you're going in contested now. I, I guess there is I no six-week alert anymore. Okay, I guess I don't trust Major League Baseball because they've well, allowed the cheating to go on, and it's, oh, oh and they just say, oh, it's gamesmanship. It went, it went on for 15 years easily. Right. Easily. So but, just but yeah. clean it up or don't. Or my thing is, here's, here's the other thing. The other side that I have to this, don't. And let people take steroids. I don't care. But just my thing is just pick a lane. Yeah, you know exactly. How, you know how it is when you're driving? You're trying to go around somebody, and they're like halfway in a lane. How annoying that is! My thing is just pick one lane and drive. 
Yeah. I completely That's all I ask for in baseball. You and I are on the same page with this. The idea that they want to hand it to the to the runner up. I mean, I don't even know how how they would feel about that as as grown men and professionals that they didn't win it. I I just don't I I don't like it at yeah, all. Yeah, if I was on the now, team, I wouldn't want. Let's that. shift gears a little bit. Uh, Hall of Fame announcements have been made, and uh, Mariano Rivera was the unanimous choice for Hall of Fame. There's no doubt. Everybody agreed he was a Hall of Fame. Sure. Now I thought, and this isn't because I'm a Yankees fan, but I thought Derek Jeter was in the same boat. That there's undeniable evidence that he is hall of greatness hall of fame sure and apparently he got all the votes but one isn't and that what baseball writers do though <laughs> don't they do stupid stuff like that that's just, why at times i can't in, stand right? the sport he's, he's in. in yeah yeah okay. oh yeah he's in but but i mean i don't like the fact that he's in and somebody thought he wasn't hall of fame worthy anybody thought he was because I they didn't, didn't want him to be unanimous you know why that's why they did that but i would like i would like and i'm gonna go check and see who who decided to to say, nah, not this time. Sorry. And he had to know. He had to know he's getting in. And I would love to interview that guy and ask him, <laughs> so what was your mentality? So tell me why. You know what? what you Robin, watched, Robin would be able to get him on the show. Maybe if Robin, Robin could get could him. Robin could do it. Who am I what, getting You're going to get the one guy that voted no for oh, Derek Jeter <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. He'll never Whoever come that on. Sports right? No, you know what? I think he'll the be guy, gutless. There was a guy that voted no for Nolan Ryan. And he did a bunch of interviews saying that he thought Ryan was a mediocre 500 ball player. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Seven no-hitters, 27-year career. That's not a mediocre anything. But you know my thinking is with that, that that individual, though, is just highlighting himself. Or shine the spotlight to himself. It's all about, oh, look at me. But I still would like to get that guy on and we'll have a chat with him. We'll get to ask him for five minutes. Five minutes of his time. Let's do it. Robin can do it. She's got that sweet voice. If I call the guy, he'll be like, oh, yeah, what do you want to do the podcast in an alley? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so, um, so the Hall of Fame announces made the only one that really has uh, been the crown jewel is, of course, Derek Jeter this sure. time around. I mean, Larry Walker's in, but, you know, I, I, I'm surprised Larry Walker's going to be standing up on that stage with Derek Jeter. But that's just uh, a little bit of my New Yorker, a little bit of my Yankee sure. fan, and a little bit of being a baseball fan saying, okay, Larry Walker, as baseball players go, to me, it was a 5 out of 10. And Derek Jeter any- was a 9.5 out of 10. You have a problem with anybody else? I don't have a problem with anybody else. Okay. I, I was good. I mean, that that was my concern was anybody that would vote no. So, um, you, so you knew there was so, going to be one. So, and then next week we're going to talk about the uh, Super Bowl. Yes. And um, yes, uh, we'll yes, see yes. about, um, we'll have a, a, a guest coming on next week. We'll get him to call in probably. Get him to call in. and We'll get five minutes and we'll talk a little Super Bowl with him. Sure. Who is it? Who's okay. We're not going to tease it. We've had feedback from the fans <laughs> that we need to put the person's name <laughs> on the website so that people can do some research on him and... You know, we, so I'm we just will, saying. We will we will see if he'll come on next week. If he'll come on, that would be great. And um, but he is a really accomplished competitor, and not in baseball or football. But he's a huge football fan, and most people that compete against him have no idea that he's such a football nut. So if we can get him on, that would be that would be really good. Good. I cannot wait to get his. And I have a long history with this Patriots, person, <laughs> so I look forward to it. I'm yeah. sure he's and, a and, and you hater. and I and you and I. Oh, no, he's not a Patriot hater. All right, then I like him already. Oddly, he's not a Patriot hater. He's a Brady lover, but he's a Giants fan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I went to Sprouts the other day with my uh, Patriots shirt on, and the the butcher guy was like, oh, you're still wearing your shirt, huh? Well, it turns out one of the 
the customers that was there, this young guy was also a Patriots fan. So he and I had a few good words to say. It was Patriots awesome. fans are like Yankees fans of baseball. They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the popularity has grown and the interest has grown. And it's been overall very good for the sport. I mean, you know. Now we're going to see who the true fans are in the next few years. Though. That's true. Though That's I, very I'm, true. We'll see. I'm wearing my hat right now. So we'll see. You who are. continues to rock the Patriots? All right. You know, when they go down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that shows a fan. Because, like, I cheered for my Jets when they were 1-15. in 15, But I'm a real fan of the Jets. I mean, you know, that's... I've been that's a long-suffering Patriots fan. That's Believe true. me. That's true. Back you in know. the days of Irving Fryer. And, and you have and, never thanked me for your championships. No, I haven't. I, you, you why is that? Well, Maybe because you had nothing to do with them. Well, I think I, I think Bledsoe... the Jets. No, no. Bledsoe, Bledsoe got knocked out of the game against the Jets... And that's what brought Tom Brady into the game ever. Otherwise, he would have—he'd still be on the bench. All right. <laughs> so you should be thanking my Jets. I'll get you a Jet shirt for All Christmas. Right. With that brilliant, <laughs> with that brilliant take, we better leave it right there. Yeah, this was this was a good show. I, this was a lot of fun. This was really interesting. All right, we're gonna wrap it up. I'm Jack Vecchio, I'm JV to the pros, with my partner Corey Ramsey, with Paco, last man standing, technical genius. Hi yo. And Robin with a Y in the nest. The producer extraordinaire. <laughs> and she's my homie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And with that, we will see you next week. Good night, everyone.